0: Okay. Good morning, Gateway family. It is great to see you this morning. If you want to be making your way in to find a seat, we are thrilled that you are here today as we gather together to worship the Lord. There's several things we want to remind you of. These are invitations for you to come and connect in community. We desire for Gateway to be a place not just where you attend to service and leave. But where you develop friendships with other believers, and we want to give you some opportunities to connect with others. First of all, there's a prayer time today, 4:30 p.m. right here in the sanctuary, led by Greg and Cecilia. It's a great chance to come and to pray for one another, to pray for the church, to pray for needs you know, to pray for the nations. And so that'll be right here. 430 today. Now for the ladies, you've heard us mention for several weeks, you still have about two weeks to sign up, but I want to remind you there's a women's retreat coming up October 6th to 8. Missy Cruz in the back is coordinating that, so Missy, raise your stand up there. If you want more details, see Missy. You've got two weeks to sign up for it, and Kiva's helping too. Yeah, Kiva's right next to her, and so see Missy or see Kiva. We would love for you to join them and have a chance to rest and be refreshed in the Lord and in community with one another. Going up to Mentone, a beautiful part of the state, and have a house rented up there. Now, speaking of fellowship, we we dropped it on you last week, but coming up two weeks from yesterday, Gateway's first ever square dance. Yeah, so... This is a new one for us, and we are excited to be able to do this. We, we, we did not have a graphic last week to advertise it. We, we use it, There's a graphic service we use that we get templates from for stuff. And when I searched for a church dance, they did not have any graphics for us to pull from for, for whatever reason. So we had to create our own. So that's why it was a blank screen last week. Apparently, church dances are not very common. And so we are doing a church square dance, and I'm excited about this. Yes, we have a professional caller coming in. So, it's not just us, it's not CJ and I trying to teach you how to do this because we don't know what we're doing with square deeds. We have a professional caller coming in, and they'll teach us and lead us. It'll be a funding, it's for all ages. But we know usually around age seven, they say it's when kids can really dance and learn well and be able to follow along. So we're providing childcare for six and under. Your younger kids are welcome to come with you. But if you want them to have childcare so you can enjoy learning all the moves, there will be childcare. But you need to sign up ahead of time if you want to use that. We need you to sign up anyway so we have enough refreshments. So, two weeks from yesterday, 6 p.m., in the gym, a big church wide fellowship. Hope you will be there. Now, one thing I want to mention, we've mentioned in the past, but many of you are new. There's a service that Gateway provides. It's called Dwell. Dwell is an app that's available on your phone to let you listen to Scripture. You can pick different voices. You can pick different translations. You can find reading plans where where you listen to the whole Bible, listen to parts of the Bible. And it's just a great way to immerse yourself in God's Word. Listen to it while you're around the house. Listen to it while you drive. It's just one more way for you to get the Word of God before you Now, there's normally a cost to it, but we as a church have a church-wide subscription to it. So if you're coming to Gateway, you can get the Dwell app for free because the church covers it for you. You just have to go to that sign-up, dwellapp.io, slash sign-up, slash whiz, slash gateway. And if you do that, you can get the Dwell app and enjoy listening to God's Word on your phone. Just want to make sure you are aware of that. And finally, we just really do, as I mentioned at the beginning, want you to connect in community here. If you're new and you go, I really don't know people. I don't know where to plug in. See me, see Pastor CJ. We love to talk to you about small groups, life groups, ways to connect in community. We really want you to plug in here at Gateway. Well, in just a minute, we're going to be singing to the Lord. And our first song this morning is a song because He lives. And what we're going to sing is profound. We're going to sing because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I can face the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Now, the reality is, I know for some of you today, those are gonna be hard words to say. We live in a broken world, and every day you and I feel the effects of sin. We feel the weight of sin, our own sin, and the sin of others. And each day we feel the weight of the curse. And so we know that for many of you today, you're coming in not sure how you're gonna face tomorrow. You come in with pain and brokenness, and the Lord wants to meet you right where you are. So as you sing this song about because he lives, let this be your prayer to the Lord saying, Lord, I may not feel this today, but would you work this into my heart? And for those of you who today today come in feeling peace, feeling, yes, I know the Lord is with me and I can face tomorrow, let this be your prayer of thanksgiving and celebration to him for his grace that meets you where you are. So regardless of where you are, I pray that what we sing this morning will be your prayer of worship to the Lord and asking for his grace. With that said, I want you to stand. I want to read for you from Isaiah 46. And we think about we can face tomorrow because, friends, we serve the God who not just knows tomorrow, but he's planned tomorrow for us. Isaiah 46, God, God speaks and God says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Notice this, he says, Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Let's worship the Lord who holds all of our tomorrows. Thank you.
1: Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. I know He holds the future And life is worth living just because He lives Sing that one more time his name. Oh, you life. your breath. thank you that you made us in your image. Thank you for making us alive in Christ and for loving us and being able to come to your your house on days like this um, and, and worship together as your people and celebrate baptisms and hear your word explained in your truth. Amen. Amen. We thank you so much for who you are and for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: We get the joy this morning of celebrating a baptism today. We get to celebrate the baptism of Leela Moody. So boys and girls, I know you want to see. So boys and girls, if you can't see, you're welcome to come sit down here on the steps in front of the baptistry. So I know many of you enjoy being up close to see your friends. So this is Leela Moody in the tank. This is her parents, Jeff and Mandy, standing there with her and so i know some of her family, her extended family is extended families here today to celebrate with her now as the boys and girls are coming down let me just remind you why we do baptism there's nothing magical or sacred or special about these waters this is a confession of faith this is the way in the new testament someone professes that i am a follower Of Christ, you see, on their shirt says the Latin phrase "Sola Fide," is faith alone. Our works don't save us. The only thing that saves us is God's grace, and God's grace comes to us, and we put our faith and trust in Him alone. So that's their declaration of Lila saying, "I have faith." In Christ, we baptize the way we do, friends, because it's a picture. It's a picture of saying, "I believe that Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose on the third day, overcoming death and offering us the forgiveness of sins." But baptism is saying, "Because of what Christ has done in me, I am dying to my old ways of life. He's given me a new nature, and so He's raised me to walk in newness of life." And so it's a beautiful picture of one's profession of faith in Christ. That's why we get to do it as we do it here. Now, we want you to hear her story, so her big sister is, let me I'm going to figure out how to navigate down there to you, so Sable is going to read her testimony to you, so let me slide through here and come around, I'll come around to your side, Sable, hang on, I'll come over there. Here we go, share with us Leela's story.
2: She said, I don't really know when I came to Christ. I've grown up in a Christian family and I've been a part of this church since I was four years old my life has had some difficulties and god has been with me then and is with me now at six weeks old i was diagnosed with cancer called retinoblastoma i later learned that a lot of people were praying for me as i had surgery and had many visits to saint jude over the course of the next several years throughout this time i knew that jesus was calling me to follow him when i could understand my story i knew i needed to pray for the lord to help me with cancer god has answered my prayer for His help. And has shown me that he is with me no matter what I face. I believe that God, Jesus, died on the cross to save me from my sins and continues to walk with me by the Holy Spirit. I know that I'm not saved by anything I've done but by his work. I still have struggles, but I'm thankful that God continues to hear me when I pray. And he has given me a great community with my family and my church that continues to lead me to him. I want to get baptized to publicly show that I'm Christian and to ask my church to encourage me and help me in my walk with Christ. And Leela, I just wanted to say that I'm so happy that you're getting baptized and that you have let the Lord in your heart. I look forward to walking our faith journey together.
0: Leela, I've gotten the pleasure to see you grow up from being just
3: a little baby with cancer to now... Being in a, and being a Christian and publicly proclaiming your faith in front of all these people, Lila, I'm very, I'm so proud of you, and I can, and it's so apparent that the Lord is in your life. You have such a heart for Him, and I love you, Lila.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. One of your Sunday school teachers, Miss Laurie, has asked to share a word to you. So I'm going to come around over here to Laurie.
4: You can. It. Um, I was just thinking what verse could I tell you that describes you and what kept coming to me was my cup runneth over because you overflow with God's love and affection every single Sunday. She comes up to me and finds me and gives me a hug and for an old person that's a big deal. So um, I was going to tell you that um, the quality that I see in you that proves that you're a child of God is your compassion your tender heart, you hurt when other people hurt, and I know why. It's because you have had the gift of suffering, and so you know what it means to suffer, and so you you spill that out to others, and that really touches me. Um, when It's the empathy. It's called empathy, and it's a gift. It's a hard one, but you've got it. And I was going to tell you, in fourth grade, the, the day that I was touched most by you, you came up to me, and you said, Miss Lori, when I go to heaven, you know, it's okay if God doesn't give me my full eyesight because I'll be with Jesus. And that's the most important thing ever. And at this young age that you have eternal eyes, that you can see that nothing on earth, not even full eyesight could ever compare to Jesus. You, You knew that as a young child and you know that now. And so keep filling that cup. That's my challenge to you because we want to get the overflow of it. Keep spending that time with Jesus. And we're sisters. So we're gonna be in heaven forever and we can hug every single day. So
0: <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Lari. See Jennifer up here. here go, Jennifer.
5: I'm gonna try and get through this because my youngest here has been praying about what to say for this day since you told us that you were stepping out in faith to be baptized. And so she wrote this and asked me to read it. She said, Leela, do not be afraid, for you are a child of the Lord and my best friend. You are loved by God and by me. I'm so proud to call you a sister in Christ. Never forget, you are a child of the Lord, and no matter how much the enemy may try, he can never snatch you from the Lord's hand. She says, I was looking for a verse to encourage you with, and my papa suggested I look in 2 Timothy. So as you step out today to show your faith, I give these verses to you. 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. I remember your genuine faith. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And sweetie, I am so proud of you. And I love you like you are one of my own. And I cannot wait to see the amazing things that the Lord is going to continue to do in your life. I love you
0: thanks jennifer also miss molly our children's director is out of town today she wanted to make sure i've read something on her behalf so this is from miss molly for you she says sweet leela i'm so sorry for missing this day but know that i'm celebrating with you i and many in this room have prayed for you since before you were born we've watched you as you have grown as you have persevered and as you have recognized your need for jesus i'm celebrating that you have trusted him as your savior I'm celebrating that you have stepped out in faith and stood before us, declaring your trust. What a glorious day. God has a plan for you, and I'm excited to see him work in your life. I will keep praying that God uses all of your days. I love you, Lila, Miss Molly. So Miss Molly sends her greetings as well. Jennifer.
4: Sarah asked me why the mamas can't hold it together, <laughs> and it's because you guys are our babies. Um, I love a lot of things about you, so I'm just going to stick with my two most important, because there's a lot of people. Um, I love how you love Jesus, and I love how you love my girls, and I'm very thankful for you.
3: So, hi. <laughs> um, I wanted to share, I think it's Malachi 3, 16, hand. I don't know, some, some verse in there. <laughs> I didn't write it right. Um, the Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. So um, your name is now written in that book. Um, and I can really, wherever you go, you always bring, like, Happiness and laughter, (laughs) so I can really see (laughs) Um, the Lord's like light shining from you. So, yeah.
2: Leila, you
3: are my friend, and I love you as a sister. overcome he who was trying to make you do all things. And I love you.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Maggie. Sorry, let me slide here real quick.
3: Leela, I hope you know that you are loved. You have been so kind to me, and I hope you will spread love and the gospel. And, whena- and whenever you can, I have some stuff for you.
1: <laughs> awesome.
5: I just wanted to get in here because I think everyone read my notes, and they all said what I was going to say, but I just am so grateful by the way you love me and my babies, and I just pray for you that that light never goes out because it never will.
0: Thanks, Savannah.
4: Hey, Lila, my fun-sized buddy. (laughs) I am so happy for you. Um, The verse that came to mind is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. That's my verse for you. I am just so happy and excited, and I cannot wait to continue seeing you grow in the Lord. I love you.
0: Thanks, Trish.
4: This Nana can be
3: quiet no longer. Leela, what a joy you were to us. What a gift the Lord gave us when he gave you to us. We couldn't be prouder of you. We love you so much, and it has been so much fun to watch you grow into the young Christian that you are right now, and I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do with the rest of your life. And we said when you were born, this one's special. Lord, we can't wait to see what you're going to do with her. So we're just going to sit back and wait for the Lord. I love you, darling. Thanks.
0: Thank you.
5: (laughs) Well, I'm Gaga, and we love you so much, Leela. You're our little spark plug, our personality. You're the one that always (laughs) gets us going. We're so very, very proud of you, and so glad that you made this decision and love you very, very much.
0: Thanks.
2: Sweet Leela.
5: I can always count on you to be my snack buddy. <laughs> uh, your family has been such a blessing to mine. And the day that y'all moved down the street was one of the best days of our life. <laughs> um... I'm just so proud of you, and I love you so much, and I'm so glad to now not only call you my little best friend, but my sister in Christ.
3: Hey, Leela. So, I don't really know what to say because I'm, like, scared because of all these people, but... (laughs) But um I just wanted to tell you that you've been my best friend for so long and we always hang out with each other and whenever you come over here I'm always like oh my gosh I'm so excited to play whatever you think of because you can think of anything in the world and it's so, always so fun to d- do it with you um and Sable and I just wanted to tell you that whenever I get baptized, you will now be my friend. Not only my friend, but my sister and my cousins or whatever you want to call me. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to let you know that you're like my family to me. And I'm just really happy for you getting baptized. Thanks.
0: Okay. Anyone else have a final word for her? That's a lot of good... A lot of good words of encouragement for you today.
2: I'm the last on a very long line.
5: <laughs> I didn't even know this was happening today, but what I get from the Lord that I'm here, and I get to see this, and I've already cried, and I am just so proud of you. I've watched you grow up, and ever since you were teeny tiny, it has been so um, blatant how big your love is for other people and for the Lord, and I am so proud to watch you grow, and um, I can't wait to see what he does with you, and I am just, uh, I love you so much, and I always know that I'm going to get the biggest hug from you, and I'm so excited that I get to be here to watch this moment, and I love you so much, and I'm so proud.
0: Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. anyone else plan to say anything? I don't want to cut you off, If anyone else has something you wanted to share with her before... Okay, Jeff and Mandy, we'll turn it over to you guys for your final word of encouragement to her and then to baptize her.
5: My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength in my heart and my portion forever. And I remember you were probably six months old and I was sitting there getting you ready for bed and I looked up at the verse and I was like, Oh, wow. Her flesh has already failed. But, you know, there's always the but. The Lord is your strength, and he is your portion forever. And you showed us that time time and time again. And I'm so thankful for how you listen to the Lord and his love for you. And despite your flesh failing, you have this joy, which people have said numerous times about you, and it radiates. And do you know who that's from? It's from the Lord. He has given you that joy, and he's the only one that can. So I'm so proud of you for making this decision. Are you ready?
6: Leva, um we've been at this church
0: somewhere in the neighborhood of 20-plus years since we were in college, and I'm looking out at friends and see Kiva and Bruno that we all started coming to church together here in college. And um, it's almost like today is a welcoming you into this family that we've been a part of for so long. And I'm so proud of you, I'm so, uh, as everyone has said, we're so blessed to have you in our lives because you follow Jesus and that love of Jesus radiates through you. So now I'm gonna ask you, are you trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior, and do you want to follow Him? Yes. Based on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, boys and girls up front, if you want to make your way back to your parents' seats, Lila, we are celebrating with you. We rejoice at God's grace at work in your life. What a beautiful picture of the gospel on display right there for us, of identifying with Christ and being a part of a community that can encourage you and walk alongside you. We're, we're thrilled. And friends, I've, we've said it before, but if you've trusted Christ and you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to take that step of faith to let the world know that you belong to him. Well, let's go to the time of the Lord in prayer right now. And as you go to the Lord in prayer, I want to read for us from First Chronicles 16. This is a prayer of David. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord, the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And Lord, that is what we desire to do this morning, is to ascribe to you glory and strength, to proclaim how great and glorious and majestic you are. Thank you for the breath you have given us to sing your praises, to proclaim that you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, thank you for giving us your word that we get to study together this morning. Lord, thank you for giving us opportunity as a community to celebrate legalist baptism. Thank you for all the reminders you put before us from what we saw in creation this morning to what we're reading in your word. All these reminders that you alone who made the heavens, you alone are God. You alone deserve glory. You alone are a place of strength. Lord, I pray for myself and for all these precious brothers and sisters here at Gateway that you would grow in us a desire to know you for who you really are. Lord, these verses warn us about the worthless idols, and Lord, we confess we all have idols of our heart, things that we love more than we love you. Lord, remove the blindness from our eyes so we can see that idolatry of our own hearts and be quick to repent of it and to desire you more than anything else. Lord, we need you for that. And so, Lord, would you grow in us a love for your word? i love to read your word. i love to study your word. i love to talk about your word with one another. And Lord, I thank you as we just celebrated with leelas baptism that you've put us together as a church family, that you've not called us to walk this journey alone. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would grow in each of us a love for our church family, a longing to pursue relationships with one another. Let us be a gracious people who are so quick to show grace to one another so you unite us together. And Lord, our hearts are full of thankfulness for the many new people that attended the foundations class this morning, the many visitors you brought our way. And Lord, we pray for each of them, Lord, that they would be able to find community here. This will not just be a place they come for an hour a week and go home, but this would be a place to where they can find belonging, where they are known by others and they know others. So Lord, would you grow in them a heart to pursue community during their time here in Montgomery. Lord, we know that there are so many needs within this body, so many unspoken things that burdens people are carrying this morning that we are not even aware of. We pray that you meet each one of us, Lord, today right where we are as we see your greatness. I pray, Lord, that we find all of our needs met and satisfied in you. Lord, in particular, it's this morning, we're going to pray for our brother, Dale Hadaway, and the passing of his father. Lord, I just pray for much grace for Dale and for Angel, for their girls, as they grieve his passing, as they begin that process. It's not a quick process, but the slow process of grieving. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with hope, hope in the resurrection, hope in you, and I pray that the Hadaway family would know that you are holding them in your hands. They would sense your presence in special ways as they navigate these days to come. And Lord, we thank you as well that you have given us as a church opportunities to minister to so many people. Lord, we ask as a church family that you would give us wisdom in knowing how to pursue community with one another, wisdom in knowing how to pursue discipleship with one another, that you would take us deeper into discipleship relationships as a church family where we get into each other's lives with love and humility to help each other pursue Christ-likeness. Lord, as we think about 1 Chronicles 16 and David's prayer, Lord, I pray that you would grow us as a church in loving the nations as well. Think of what David said in 1 Chronicles 16, again, where he said, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And would you grow us as in a church a desire to proclaim the Lord reigns among the nations. Give us eyes to see the lost here and the lost of the unreached people groups. And we thank you for the partnerships that we have, Lord. We thank you for Ryan and Joy Thomas and their kids. And Lord, the the journey they've been on, having been arrested and kicked out of China, having to flee another Southeast Asia country as well. Lord, as they now wait their new assignment now to Eastern Europe, to a very difficult place not far from where Ukraine and all that conflict is, we pray for much peace and wisdom as they now begin their third assignment in the last three years. Let me trust your providence in taking the Thomas family to where you desire for them to be. We see your hand at work in all the trials and struggles they've walked through. And we pray for them this morning, Lord, as the the final details over these next few weeks would all come together for them to be able to do this new assignment. You would give them the wisdom and the direction we need. We pray for their children, Lord, for peace for them as they keep being uprooted and moved and uprooted and moved. I pray that you would establish them; they would know they are held by you in the midst of all the changing uncertainty. So bless them in that. Even as they get away this week to rest as a family, I pray you'd meet with them and they would come away refreshed and encouraged and excited about this new journey ahead in East Europe. Lord, we thank you for Emily Naylor and, Lord, her work with Mescal's in Kenya, supporting the work of this orphanage and this Christian school and all those mercy ministries that help take the gospel to the people in Western Kenya. And, Lord, as she comes up on a busy season where she prepares to be on the road traveling to cast a vision for Mescal's and other churches, we pray you'd raise up many partners, many supporters, many people to catch a vision for reaching Western Kenya with the gospel. I pray you would give her the wisdom she needs as she travels and as she does all this speaking in other churches in the weeks to come. We thank you for her heart for the nations and her work she does even here at Gateway among our young people to help them understand your love for the nations. And Lord, we thank you this morning for just again for the opportunity to be part of corporate worship. Lord, we don't want to take lightly that we can gather with windows open and doors open without fear of the government coming in to arrest us for meeting. Lord, we don't want to take that for granted because we remember all over the world are people who are meeting in secret today, huddled in small corners of rooms because they desire to be together and worship you, and we get to do this freely. Thank you for the privilege to do this. May we never take it for granted. Lord, as we come to the time in the service now, we continue to worship you by studying your word. Lord, help us realize what an act of worship it is when we submit ourselves to your word and to what you have said And Lord, as Pastor CJ continues our journey through Genesis this morning, we look at what it means to be made in your image. Would you give us fresh eyes to understand the wonders of what it means for us to be your people made in the image of God? And I pray we will respond to you in worship and with hope in the midst of all the uncertainties of life as we understand who we are in Christ. So we pray you'll use your word today to transform us, mold us, and shape us into who you desire for us to be. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, first of fourth graders, you're dismissed to kids' worship. First of fourth graders, you're dismissed to kids' worship.
6: Good morning, church. Good morning. What an amazing morning so far, amen? Yes. I could close in prayer right now and I'd be good. <laughs> We're full. What an amazing morning to celebrate. Leela's life and Believer's baptism. and So uh, again, it's always an honor and privilege to come before you guys to encourage you in God's word. And as we're continuing through the journey through Genesis, um, we're coming to the end of this certain section, um, uh, this certain part of creation with the seven days. And uh, this morning I have the privilege to be able to encourage you with two of my favorite verses in all of the creation narrative. um, Shared on it before. I love it. It just impacts me so much. I don't know about you guys, but I'm 54 years old. I've been through a lot, health issues, a lot of stuff with life, family, and the more older I get, I just have to soak in the wow moments of God in Scripture. I don't know about you guys, just the wonder moments, the awe moments, the jaw-dropping moments, which happens a lot through most of Scripture, but in the creation narrative, we see it time and time again, and this, these couple verses is that for me. I just love soaking in this. The implications of these two verses are so powerful, so impactful in my life, And I hope to be encouraging to you as well. So if you turn in your Bibles, uh, your devices, whatever, to Genesis chapter 1, today we're going to be looking at two verses, verses 26 and 27. And just really encouraged to be able to see what the Lord wants to reveal to us today. There's so much with these two verses. Uh, As Grady knows, we're going through different commentaries and scriptures and different things. There's so many directions, but obviously just feeling led by the Spirit to encourage you with what the Lord gave me today. Um... I just have come out of it refreshed and renewed as well. So if you please stand in the honor of reading of God's word, we're going to read these two scriptures and let's get into the wonder of God today. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. And today I'm reading from the new American standard. The word of the Lord says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the wonder of your word. And we just pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would come as our teacher, that you would convict us, every single one of us in this room that has the Holy Spirit within us, God. We ask for conviction. Conviction is a gift because it shows the reality of who you are in view of who we are. So we ask for conviction, we ask for revelation, enlightenment. Give us understanding of your word, Lord. Show us who you are. And not only who you are, but in light of who you are, who we are in you. And we pray this morning as we see these two amazing verses, the implications on how this should impact our lives on a daily basis. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Come and move among us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So again, looking back at verse 26, starting off here. God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And so as Grady was talking the past few weeks, he's gone through different aspects of creation, uh, which we're going to look at just to give a little background. But what we're going to talk about this morning in doctrinal or theological wordage, people like to use this, it's the, the doctrine of the Imago Dei. Those are Latin words, which literally means image of God. So today, you may be hearing that a lot. Some churches are called the Imago Dei Church, but that's literally what this means. It's the doctrine of of us being made in the image of God. And the Hebrew word in verses 26 for image and likeness, they're synonyms. The Hebrew word "salem" and demuth for both of those words, they're interchangeable. So it's like the Lord's just reiterating twice. I've made you in my image. I've made you in my likeness. And what it literally means to, to carve something out, to cut something with care and precision, to create something that's a resemblance or a representation um, something that's similar to or a shadowing for. So you can already get the implications of where we're going and what God was trying to communicate in doing this and creating us in this way. But first I want us to see the importance of recognizing the distinction of humanity being created in the image of God in contrast to the rest of creation, okay? So we're going to see three things today as we get to the end. of this. What does it say about God creating us in his image and his likeness? What does it say about us as humanity, as mankind in general? And then what does it say about us as Christians, specifically, God's elect, the bride of Christ, and what that means for us specifically? But first to just show the contrast, because this is important, guys. It's so important for us to see the contrast of God making us in his image and his likeness to the rest of creation. The first six and a half days, and uh, Grady's done a wonderful job the past few weeks, Going through that, God spoke and said, let there be light, let there be the expanse, the heavens, let the dry land appear, let the earth sprout vegetation. God created the great lights. And then he said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And Grady talked about this last week. And what he emphasized is that when he created the living creatures of all types, he said the the most used phrase, the most said phrase in the whole first chapter is that God made the living creatures according to their kind. He emphasized that last week a few times because of the uniqueness, and this is what comes against evolution or any other theory other than creation, is that God created all the living creatures, all the beasts of the field, the cattle, all the animals, distinct, unique. There was no progression like evolution says. It was right on the spot. God created a cow. It was a cow. God created a lion. It was a lion. So according to their kind, their uniqueness, but here's the beauty of it. When it comes to the end of the sixth day, which we're looking at now, God's last creative act was us. His last creative act was humans, mankind. But this time, when he spoke, as we just saw in Genesis 26, God said it this way Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So unique. Why? Because God himself reveals himself in this part the first time he has expressed himself in the plural. First time God has revealed himself as God three in one, that there was a plurality to the Godhead, and he expressed it, and it's more personal. Let us, our, okay? So this expression of plurality, it's almost like, and I've talked about this before, like in the beauty of the divine Godhead, the Father, Son, and Spirit, there was like this divine dialogue, this cosmic consultation, going amongst himself the father son and spirit consulting together as three unique persons but one god coming up with the way to uniquely create something a creation to bear his image to reveal and reflect the ultimate beauty of who he is to reveal his glory to for us and that was us that was mankind so that distinction took place when he created us in his image in his likeness and god never gets specific about gender until he mentions it regarding mankind. God chose specifically to mention it here. Grady mentioned last week in verse 22 that when he created the living creatures, he did tell them, and he commanded the creatures, speaking it out, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So God did speak forth procreation, that there was going to be multiplication to take place. But he never mentioned gender, never got specific in that until he mentions us. And there's a specific reason, there's a uniqueness to that. So speaking of that, we are now consider, we are set apart from all the rest of creation. We are special creatures. That's an identity. We are to be identified as very unique, special creatures that God made for a specific purpose. The NIV commentary says humans are the climax of God's creative activity. John MacArthur says this, man is the crowning point of creation, Let's look at Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 through 9. I love how David expresses this. David said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. So right now, David's in the wonder of God. He's looking at these amazing things that God has made. He's contemplating it. He's thinking about those things. In verse 4, he says, But what is man that you should take thought of him? And the son of man that you should care for him? So he's almost like, Like, Lord, you made all these amazing things, but why should you take thought of us? Why should we be unique? Verse 5, he said, Yet you have made him, man, a little lower than God. You've crowned him with glory and majesty. You have made him to rule over the works of your hands. you put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So David's expressing... Even what MacArthur said, man is the crowning point. We are just made a little lower than God. We've been made in a position to rule and have dominion over other parts of creation. We have dominion and rule. Look at verse 26 again in verse chapter 1 of Genesis. We have been given, let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We have been made unique and special to rule and to have dominion. And obviously in that Psalm 8 is a foreshadowing because those same verses are spoken of about Jesus in the future. But what David was getting at in this little dialogue and community to the Lord is we're unique. You have made man in a special way for a special purpose. And so that's something to think about. Um, I get brownie points today with our pastor because I'm quoting a guy he loves a few times because it's so good. Wayne Grudem, this theologian we love. Got to remember that, Grady. Okay, um, Just kidding. No, God, I was reading a lot through his commentary and Grudem got some great insight into this, so I'm going to quote him a few times. But he says this in regards to our uniqueness. He says, The realization that we are made in his image should give us a profound sense of dignity and significance as we reflect on the excellence of all the rest of God's creation. The starry universe, the abundant earth, the world of plants and animals, the angelic kingdom, they're all remarkable, even magnificent. But we... As mankind, as humans, are more like our creator than any of these. We are the culmination of God's infinitely wise and skillful work of creation. The original readers of Genesis would have heard, let us make man to be like us and to represent us. I'm going to elaborate on that in a little bit. So again, thinking about that, the dignity that we have, the significance that we reflect on how God has made us in comparison to all the rest of creation God made us in a unique way, and we're going to unwrap that a little bit now. So how do we bear his image? We're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. What are the aspects of how he has made us and who God is? Remember, we are a reflection, a mirroring of God's nature, of God's character, of who God is. That right now should cause us to stop and just worship the rest of the day. Really. This is one of these (gasps) moments of scripture that we should just soak in it. It's incredible to even contemplate this, which I'm hoping you do later amongst yourselves, talk with your spouses, your families, because this is just one of those moments that it's beyond our comprehension that we get to even read this and acknowledge that we're a part of this. It's unbelievable. So here's some aspects of who we are, like God, how we bear his image. Very practical. All these are very self-explanatory and going to be obvious. But the first is, One way we bear his image and different aspects of how we show we're like God is that a spiritual component. We are spiritual beings. And guess what? The only ones created by God. Okay? As much as I love our pets that I've had, not to ruin anybody's parade, my dog, Nucci, is not going to be in heaven with me. Okay? (laughs) Sorry. I just really, kids, if y'all heard that, sorry for the conversation later. I was told to bring truth. I'm bringing truth. But guys, this is serious. There's implications. I've known some folks who are young in the Lord and stuff, and they put so much value on the other aspects of creation, it deters and takes away from us and the value of us and the priority of us, that whether Sophie or Fifi or little one's going to be in heaven with us or whatever. Now, God granted, in the heavenly realms, we know, in the new heavens and new earth, there's going to be beautiful creation. There's going to be animals and all that. But my little Nucci will not be there. Why? Because he's not a spiritual being. My dog was not created with a spirit. Okay? And that's okay. I still got to enjoy my dog. But the beauty of this is we are spiritual beings. We were created for eternity. Amen? Every human that's ever been born is an eternal being. And sadly, is he going to be in glory with Jesus, with our precious Savior and Creator, or eternity separated from him in hell? And that's grieving. And we should feel that. That's the implications of these verses. So we're the only spiritual beings. That allows us, this is what's amazing. Because he's made us spiritual beings in his image, it enables us and we have the capacity to connect and relate with the God of the universe. No other being can do that. So we get to experience the spiritual realm with prayer and praise and everything we enjoyed this morning only because we were made in his image. Precious little Leela was sitting in that tank in there because she was made in the image of God. Because she was made in his likeness and was given the capacity to be a spiritual being, to engage with the spiritual being who is the God of the universe. So we have one aspect of it is spirituality. Second part is our physical aspect. God reveals himself to us through scripture figuratively through language in the physical. All throughout scripture we see that God says, God sees, God hears, God speaks. In Isaiah 59 verse 1 it says, Behold the Lord's hand is not too short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that it cannot hear. Well, we know God the Father is what? Spirit. He's not physical. The Holy Spirit, in his name, is spirit. He's not physical. So why would God do this? Well, God is revealing aspects of his nature and his ways through human forms, through physical forms, to reveal aspects of his character and his ways by, again, this is a foreshadowing, too, of God the Son who's to come, Right? In this way, to reveal himself to us. Uh, Grudem again says, God has made us suitable instruments to represent in a physical way our human nature. It has been made to be like God's own nature, and our physical bodies in various ways will reflect something of God's character. In the same way, relating to the physical, the theologian Matthew Henry, I love this, says, He, God the Son, who is Christ, He, God the Son, by whom God the Father made all things, formed the human body at the first, this is amazing, according to the platform that he designed for himself in the fullness of time. This, I mean, this is a theological mind bomb. It's like, poof. So what's that saying is, Paul said in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 17, through 17, for he, God the Father, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to read the rest of this passage with the uh, proper nouns. So, Jesus the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by the Son all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things have been created through the Son and for the Son. The Son is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Again, these are one of those wow moments that God the Son, the pre-incarnate Christ, in the time of creation, with the Godhead consulting together, in the mind of God said, we're going to create a being that one day you, God the Son, is going to come in the fullness to redeem and rescue and set free So for mankind, for your creation to experience us in all our glory in this human form that we have created. So you're creating a body or a creation for you to come in one day. Okay. That's just awesome to even think about. And that's what this has to do with the physical. God planted. John chapter 1, the word became what? Flesh. John 1, I love it. You know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word what? Was God. Jesus the Christ is God. He was with God in the beginning, meaning he, the son, the word, was with the father in the beginning. And then it goes on to say that all things were made in him and through him and for him. Jesus the son, the second person of the Trinity, is the agent of creation. And so himself preparing a physical form one day to come in a different creative form is just amazing that he designed for himself a platform for himself to come and it was mankind. Amazing. So that's another aspect. We have the spiritual, we have the physical, and obviously the third one is the aspect of the mental aspect. God has given us the ability to reason, to think logically, to have understanding, to have creativity just like him. We all have creativity. We're all in some form or sense an artist just like God. He's allowed us, given us the capacity to share in that with him. We have a complexity of emotions, personality, memory, God reveals his emotions all throughout scripture. We see it. His anger, his wrath, his love, his compassion, his kindness. Jesus wept. <laughs> so we get to share in those things, in the mental capacity that he's given us as humans. In the area of language, which is incredible too. There was one language, there's been some theological disparity, with, but there was one language between 1,000 to 2,000 years. There's a little discrepancy on how long in there. You may clarify that later when we get to the Babel. <laughs> But for one language, God created one language in the beginning. He spoke creation. So there was a language he spoke. He spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. And then for almost 2,000 years, it was one language until where? Babel. Genesis 11, we're getting there. And then guess what we get to see at Babel? God's amazing creativity again, right? God created who knows how many dialects at that moment. One time, they're building the tower. He says, we got to do something, us. Use the word us again, you know, little us plurality. Let us go down because they're building this thing and they probably will get close. So we got to change things up. We're mixing it up. So all the languages started coming into be. Again, mental capacity. God changed it up and we get to see his creativity again. So we have a spiritual aspect, physical aspect, moral aspect. Y'all hang in there. We're going a little later today. It just is what it is, right? <laughs> all right, because I'm looking up going, woo. All right. If y'all had anything in the crock pot, just get ready. All right. I'm Italian and I can go. I can't talk as fast as him, but we'll get close. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. All right. So the fourth one, a moral aspect. We have an inner sense of right and wrong. God has given us capacity with our behavior. This is incredible. We, he has given us as humans the capacity to be holy, to be righteous, to be virtuous. We've had a divinely imprinted moral compass. We have been designed with the capacity to obey God. We've been given a conscience for moral decision-making. All humans have this. It's called common grace. Grady's talked about it. We've all been built and given the capacity to go there. Obvious, once you come to saving faith, then you get to experience in its true sense of being submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and that gives us through the Spirit the capacity to obey, the capacity to be righteous and holy through the work of the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers don't operate this way. And all of you know, I have known atheists, Muslims, Buddhists, people of different philosophies and religions and some that don't even believe in a God, who are very moral people. That's the way God made us. Again, in his image, in his likeness. They can be kind, they can be compassionate. Everything that God, as I just said, we all as humans have these aspects and capacities. He just wants them under his lordship. But he's made us all with that capacity to live this way. The uniqueness is that we're not living by instinct like animals do. That's the big difference. So God has given us a moral compass and a moral aspect to live by. And you sum all those up when you go and bring the spiritual, the physical, the mental, the moral. It all comes to the fifth aspect that's the most important because they all apply to this. We are the only creature created to experience this in its purest form and the aspect of relationship. We're relational. Now, granted, I, we all can have an intimacy with our pets, animals. God does it for a reason. They can hold, you know, be with us. We can hold them. We can experience things with them, but not to the capacity, as we all know, with the human beings as, as mankind. So, and this is the beauty of it, guys. Just as the Godhead himself, the Father, Son, and Spirit, get to have this incredible, cosmic, unique love relationship amongst himself... He gets to allow us to share in that. Just go home and meditate on that for the day. God the Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father. The Spirit loves. This incredible love, intimate relationship that the Godhead has with Himself by being made in His image and His likeness, He now allows that direct contact and that relationship to be with us. That we can have the capacity to live that way in relationship. And through that, that humanness we get to experience is truly the only beings that can have a personal communion with God. We're the only ones that can know him intimately and fellowship with him and glorify him. It's why we were created. God created all the rest of creation, obviously, primary number what? For his glory. You look at my creation. We look outside, see the trees, the sky, right there. Look at that amazing tree in the blue sky. We should be in awe of God with that view. That's what he intended it for that that view would put us on our knees to say, wow, you did that so I can see a bit of who you are. Just a glimpse. And then when we look around this room, as I look at Mike and my beautiful wife and different ones, my daughter, my son, I see the glory of God. I'm looking at you seeing the same thing but more because you're more uniquely created, more uniquely designed and cut out or whatever you want to say with precision and care to reveal God's glory and experience his presence intimately where that tree and that sky never will. That's why he made us that way. So this unique communication and community that Gertie was talking about, we get to experience. And how do we do it personally? Verse 27, God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created. We get to do it uniquely, individuality, male and female. God made us uniquely with two genders, two sexes for his purposes. Obviously the first to procreate, like he told the animals, to be fruitful, to multiply us as a species, as a creature. God made us in this way according to his purposes. And guys, I just had to bring this up again because this, this, teaching on scriptures like this in the day and age we live is why we bring up things and what the enemy is at work. Satan is at work. We all agree? His primary role that started us in Genesis 3, when it was first declared in the garden that we're going to get to, when he looked at Adam and Eve and gave the spiel, and and Eve bit, and Adam bit, and da-da-da-da, and the fall happened, the first thing out of Eve's mouth was, the serpent deceived me. So, Satan is a deceiver. That's his primary default. That's where he operates the most, in this world, among all of us. Not just unbelievers, but even among us. And this text has been under attack. It's been amped up in the demonic realm over the past 15 to 20 years more than any. I think it's talking about creation. Y'all know where I'm going. It grieves us. It should grieve our hearts as Christians to see individuals on this earth created in the image of God, in God's likeness, who don't know their identity as a male or female. That should crush us. It should do something to us. We should not look upon individuals who struggle with sexual identity and gender dysphoria with eyes of evil or anger or frustration. We should, it should break our hearts because of these verses. If we see things rightly and biblically, we should be able to pray for these individuals and, and pray against the deceptive spirit of the enemy. Yeah. Guys, that's what warfare is all about. We can pray against the work of Satan. We have the authority by God through his spirit to pray against what he does in this earth and how he's moving and doing. A guy that we love, a commentary, uh, Pastor Richard Phillips says this. He said, in an age of such incredible confusion that gender is declared a social construct or a personal choice, this even in the face of irrefutable biological determinism, The Bible declares sexual identity to be created by God. If you're male, maleness is intrinsic to your God-designed being. If you're a woman, it was God who made you female at the moment you came into existence. The way to honor God as our creator is to embrace his design for our lives and relationships. And why do we know that's important? Psalm 139, one of my favorite chapters, I mean uh, Psalms. Psalm 139, very familiar. David's declaring this, "'You formed my inward parts.'" You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Guys, this is is why we champion life. This is why we come against abortion. This is why we come against that evil. God governs the womb. He doesn't make mistakes. He's never made a mistake. He is perfect. And especially with the womb, and this has been coming against, again, these verses for thousands of years, That whatever God does in the womb is his purposes, his decrees, he creates. He doesn't make a mistake there. And what the enemy has done as the deceiver throughout generations and generations and recently amped it all up is to mock these verses that God doesn't know what he's doing. They're going to use nature to say nature made a mistake or I don't feel this way even though I came out this way. It's not what I really feel or identify with. It's mocking these scriptures. It's coming against the very core of who God is. That He isn't who He says He is, that He's not creator, that He isn't true, that He doesn't make mistakes, that He is all knowing, all powerful, all the attributes we've been learning. That's what the enemy is at work are doing. And this little scripture of saying God created us in His image, male and female, He created them, is being attacked on a daily basis. Sadly. And that's why if we know this, we can pray against this and recognize what we've been called to in this culture today to be able to come against and, and, and again, pray for these individuals and try to reach out to them and say, no, you were designed with beauty and purpose. When you look in the mirror, you can really know who you were designed to be, that God made you uniquely, and as we just read, fearfully and wonderfully made. And obviously, guys, this goes to the sense of, just a real quick sidebar, of our self-esteem. Everyone in this room probably at some point has struggled with the way you look. You've looked in the mirror from a kid up to now. You think I love this thing on my face? (laughs) This big Italian schnoz that I've been dealing with for years? I'm just going to be real here. Now, this is me. This is CJ. See all this that I'm working on? But this image of God, this in his likeness. When I came out of her womb, and my dad and my Italian ways and my mom... God made me like this. I can't do anything about this face. And i struggled, but now when I look at him, I'm like, image of God. Purpose for God. Hope in God. He made me look like this for his purposes. He doesn't make a mistake with us. Celebrate it. Accept it. And this just goes into with children and everything. Just take them back to the scripture. I've done this with my kids. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were made in his image. And in like this, just the way God wanted you to. So how does this play out? The implications. Coming down the home stretch. So as we get to experience these amazing relationships with each other just like God, this harmonious, wonderful connection, we get to share in community just like the Godhead. Grudem says again, just as there was fellowship and communication and love expressed among the persons of the Trinity, before the world was even made, God then made Adam and Eve in such a way that we would share love and communication and mutual giving of honor to one another in these interpersonal relationships. So now I get to experience it with her and I get to experience it with all of you. It's the same. We get to experience this amazing community that God made for us. He started it. We look. That's why I love reading so much through the Gospel of John to see the interaction between the son and the father because I get to share in that. <laughs> We get to share in that amazing father-son relationship. And now I get to share it with her, my family, and all of you at the same time. So as we get to share those relationships in the likeness of God, also being male and female, men and women are equal in importance, equal in personhood, value, and worth. I'm gonna say that again. We, men and women together, are equal in importance, value, worth, personhood. Again, Satan, deceit, Thousands of years attacking that truth. We've seen it. How women have been treated on this planet is abhorrent. Flat out evil. And some still go on right now in other cultures and countries around the world. Treated as less than, even almost like animals. We all know that. We've seen it in other cultures and countries. It is an attack directly against this beautiful scripture. And we have to see each other that way, that we are equal in the eyes of God. However, just like the Trinity, the Trinity is equal, co-equal, co-eternal, co-in-substance, meaning they're all, they all have the same attributes, but what? Unique, individual roles. And that's what we get to celebrate the individuality of how God made us in his likeness. Males and females, men and women, masculine and feminine, we are one in value and equal in importance and personhood, but we have unique, distinct roles on this earth. We're to celebrate those. Unique roles in marriage, unique roles in the church, and we should embrace them like God-given, in his likeness, in his image. We are to celebrate our individuality as we are equal in those things, but our roles can be designed differently for God's purposes. So as I said before, what's so amazing about all these aspects, all these different things, the spiritual, the physical, the mental, the moral, the relational. And guys, this just blows my mind. That with all of these, made in God's image, that we as humanity, God has given us the capacity to embody and to express God's attributes to the world. Isn't that amazing? You have been made to be a display and a representation and a vessel of his nature. In Romans chapter 1, it talks about, I think I have that one on screen. If you put that on screen for Brad? I want y'all see, this is incredible. For the wrath of God is revealed from all heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. And what it's referring to is that people on this earth, even without hearing the gospel, or even hearing God's name or Jesus' name, that when they look at creation, he's revealing his glory. He says, I'm real. I did this. He's revealing himself through creation, so no human is without excuse. Now, that's a tough scripture. But what I love about that is, guess who's a part of that creation that reveals his invisible attributes? Us. Us. It's not just the trees and the water and the, and the animals and all. When people on this earth look at us, they get to see his invisible attributes. They get to see the glory and the manifestation of who God is. Uh, do you ever walk around thinking about that? Yeah, I'm a walking attribute. I mean, I'm a walking nature. I mean, that, that's what, I mean, I should change what? The way we act. Sometimes the way we behave, the way we approach life, the way we approach choices, the way we say things or do certain things that everywhere our foot goes, the glory of God goes. The attributes of God go for us to put on display and to reveal to this world and to each other, for God to reveal himself in that way. What a privilege. And I'm almost giving away our third point. Okay, the third question. All right, this is it. So what does it say about God? First thing, and I'm just going to let David tell us. I just want you to take this in. Psalm 145, one of my favorite psalms in all of this book. Just take this in. What does this say about God? All these things we said: we made in his image, we're made in his likeness. What does this say about who he is? Psalm 145, David expressed it. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. We worshiped and praised, and we sang some of the songs about this today. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and here it is, and his mercies are over all his works. We are his works. And his mercy has been all over us. And so what this says about God is he's great. His greatness is unsearchable. He's mighty and glorious, the splendor of his majesty. He is a God who is awesome. I love how that shows up in scripture so many times. That God is awesome. He's a Lord who's gracious and merciful. And his mercy has been over all that he has made. And it's what we sang this morning. What that says about God, it's indescribable. We could go on and on and on with so many adjectives to not say enough about how amazing he is and what he has done by making us in his image. That's what it says. So real briefly, now, what does this say about mankind? Guys, this is important. What does it say about humanity in general? And Gruden brought it all together. I love this, this quote. He says, every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is marred by sin, illness, weakness, age, or any disability, All humankind still has the status of being made in God's image and therefore must be treated with the dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearers. Can you imagine what would happen about humanity if that was adhered to? That they took these verses seriously about being made in God's image and that all humans should have an aspect of dignity and respect that we are to show and to give. He said, This has profound implications for our conduct toward others. It means that people of every race and ethnicity deserve equal dignity. It means that elderly people, those seriously ill, those struggling with mental health, and children yet unborn deserve full protection and honor as human beings. If we ever deny our unique status in creation as God's only image bearers, we will soon begin to depreciate the value of human life. Have we not seen that? I'm telling you guys, as a whole, life has no value on this earth with a lot of people. Your breath has no life and meaning to so many people. A lot around this world. Human life has been depreciated and devalued because the enemy has attacked these verses and mocked it and has been the deceiver to bring all kinds of lies and chaos in this earth. And at some point, Grudem said, we will continue if we think this way, we will tend to look at humans as if they are merely a higher form of animal. And we will begin to treat others as such. We will also lose much of our sense of meaning in life. Again, third time, how much have we seen Satan himself over thousands of years mock and come against and attack this truth and how people have been treated because of the color of their skin, ethnicity, culture, everything like that. Abhorrent and evil because Satan has had his way. Simple truth, these two verses, if we had adhered to them, even a lot of Christians, I mean, let's get real, step on some toes, all across this world, not just the United States, people sitting in pews mocking these verses, not adhering to this truth. That God was, we are all made in his image and in his likeness and deserve dignity and respect and to be treated as such as image bearers of God. Satan is still having his way with that. And lastly, how we can combat this? It's us. So what does it say about us? God's elect. As image bearers, who have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus, with Father, with the Spirit, our Creator, we now have the privilege, guys, to represent God himself in his image, in his likeness on this earth, as his ambassadors, as his representatives, to literally represent the kingdom of God. And what I've been asking and what I'm praying for you guys is that from this point on, as a reminder, I do this a lot, that God would give us imago day lenses. That we would look at life and each other in this world until God takes us home or he returns with the lenses of the Imago Dei. That we would look at each other and those around us of those who are made in the image of God, in his likeness, and we treat them as such, we pray for them as such, we love them as such, we reach out to them as such with dignity, respect, and compassion. That's what we're called to do. It's not even an option. Technically, those lenses were given to us when the Holy Spirit turned the switch. From death to life, from darkness to light, we were given these lenses. You know what we like to do too many times? We don't want to, we don't want to wear them. Our flesh, our pride, we take them off or we don't want to see clearly or we just choose not to. And guys, I'm telling you, for us as Gateway, when he prayed, I'm so excited where we are as a body. I'm so excited about all of you in this room and where God is taking this local fellowship with ministry, with your lives, with your jobs, with your schools, with your families. These verses have to continue to lead out. Lead us, compel us to live the rest of this life until he returns. These are too important. We have to see things rightly in this way from a biblical perspective so we can fulfill and walk out Philippians 2, 3, 4, 4 that Paul you know, encourage the church to do, that we are to do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And guys, obviously he's talking to the church, but it's for us to do with unbelievers and amongst ourselves. And a part of that starts with looking each other as image bearers, in in the image of God and made in his likeness. So if the worship team will come up, I'm going to leave you guys with this last paragraph, this little word, just to encourage you. Guys, there's so many implications to these two verses on how we look at life, the lenses we see through, understanding the Imago Dei, how we treat each other, how we treat those around us. Guys, the Imago Dei, knowing that we're made in this image, should make us people of compassion, people of mercy, people of humility, recognizing we had nothing to do with this. It's all him. And he's given us an opportunity to represent him and to be him before the world. So as we leave here today, knowing we've been made in his image, in his likeness, male and female, let's remember how awesome our God is through his wise and skillful work of creation. Let's remember that every human being as an image bearer of God must be treated with dignity and respect. And let's remember that we, as God's bride, as his elect, as his family, We have the amazing privilege to be like him and represent him before all of humanity for the purpose that the glory of God will be seen in and through us and the kingdom of God advanced, and people can come to saving faith. That's the reason. So let's embrace that today. Let's ask him to work on our hearts to give us eyes to see things the right way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for this wonderful challenge. Just time and time again, even in my life this week that you would give me imago Dei lenses on a daily basis, that you allow us to see others rightly as you see them, how you created them, even with all of our flaws and our sin marred by that. But God, you came to redeem, you came to set free, you came to heal and restore. And God, that happens through us seeing each other the right way as you made us. So I ask you, Lord, just to do that in our hearts today, that we would see things rightly, give us the right lenses to see ourselves in the mirror rightly, that you created us with a purpose, with dignity and respect, made in your image and likeness to represent you to a lost and dying world so they would see the beauty of Jesus in your ways. We thank you and praise you for this word, for these scriptures, for making us the way you did. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. You gave us the capacity to even talk to you, to hear from you, to fellowship with you, to worship you. You did all of that. May we never take that for granted that we can have personal, intimate communion with the God of the universe. We praise you and thank you for it. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Oh Lord, my God, when I am Then sings my soul, my Savior God and take me home
6: scripture over you as a benediction. Colossians 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which we indeed were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Go live this out as the Imago Day today. God bless you, Gateway. You're dismissed.